0: Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lonza. I'm the lead pastor here. And if this is your first time with us, I want to welcome you personally to our church. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast today, um, thank you for listening as well. We hope that this message is encouraging to you. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out to our worship team and to our media teams. They put together um, some incredible experiences for us. Um, our worship team works week in and week out and does a great job um, just leading us into the presence of God. And um, today, particularly, it's fitting because we're going to be talking a little bit about worshiping from our mouths. But also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the team who never gets any recognition, and that is our media team. Uh, those guys are in the back, the tech team. They do a great job with our sound and uh, with our lyrics on the screen and the lighting, as well as uh, those behind the scenes even for. Further back, who do the videos that we see and um, our slides and graphics and just some incredible work. So great job, guys. with that. Also, if you haven't had a chance to sign up for life groups, today is the last day that you can do it. I mean, you can sign up at any point, really, because they're open groups. But uh, right after service, if you thought about signing up but haven't yet, right at the Connection Center we have the sign-up sheets. Um, groups are filling up fast, so please get out there after service and sign up. And I promise you, you do not want to miss life groups this semester. It can be, uh, it can be the defining moment of your year, in fact. I believe that strongly in our life groups um, for that. So, Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and continue in our message series, Anatomy of Worship. You know, um, oftentimes, people think of worship in the sense of the songs that we sing at a specific time at church on a Sunday morning. And that's not necessarily the case. Worship really is a, a full-body experience. In fact, we find that in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it makes it pretty clear. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is a very important thing. Excuse me Paul was saying I plead with you like please I'm getting on my knees I'm begging you understand this concept give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for us let them be a living and a holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship Him. So right away in Romans chapter 12, Paul links worship to not just words, but to everything we have in us, to our mind. We talked about last week our attitudes, the thoughts that we have, bending them, to aligning them to the will of God, and our mouth, and our hands, and our feet, and everything else. The idea is is that our entire being is aligned to worship God because of who He is. And so today we're going to continue our journey in the Anatomy of Worship series and talk about our mouth our mouth. You know... In my family, we are known for our mouths. The Lanzas are known for their mouths. In fact, we are loud individuals. We talk a lot. Most of us, not all of us, there are a few uh, more individuals who are a little bit more shy, but most of us in our family are, uh, are just gregarious individuals who love to talk. And I can talk to anybody. I, it's, it's been said that I don't know a stranger, you know? So when I was in Florida, I remember I was uh, in school down in Southeastern University in Lakeland, and I actually used to make balloon animals. Most of you guys probably don't know this. That was a, a perf- that I had. I made balloon animals uh, for families in restaurants at the Disney World areas. So um, some genius uh, at our school decided to start a small business where he would um, train people to make balloon animals, and then he built contracts with the different restaurants, Bennigan's and Friday's and Landry's and all sorts of restaurants around the Orlando area that were very touristy, um, tourist spots. And and we would go in there, and we would dress up nice. And you I was wearing like black slacks with a nice white shirt and a a tie. And then I would be walking around with all these balloons. And so we'd walk up just through the tables. I mean, we were not paid to be there. I was just paid off of tips. So that was it. So uh, my job was to walk around the, the restaurant and just Find the tables with children. Now, if you've ever been, if you've ever been in a place, uh, any one of these restaurants where you're having a meal with your family and your kids, and you see the balloon guy, you know you're thinking, okay, maybe I can hide my children underneath the table or something because I don't want to have to pay for the for the balloons. But I remember this one time particularly that I, uh, I was at a Friday's uh, right off of uh, Kissimmee Road, whatever that was called at the time. And I remember going up to this one table. Hi, my name's Jared Lanza. Uh, I make balloon animals. Would you like some balloons? And they, they were like, oh, sure. And, 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 and just in sort of my normal custom, I would talk to them. Where are you guys from? A lot of them were from England. Many, many people would be on holiday from from the UK coming to the United States because it was cheaper for them because of the exchange rates and things. And they just they loved Disney World. Well, this particular family was from Tangier. Tangier. And I remember going, oh, wow, that's great. And I'm asking, them, what do you do? So it turns out this guy's a diplomat. He's a diplomat from the country of Tangier. So he's a Tangier diplomat. And I said, I don't know why I said this, my mouth bit, And I said, oh, well, do they call you guys tangerines? Not my finest moment. <laughs> I... He just sort of looked at me like this is this is America. <laughs> And I, and I just said ha, yeah, I, it was funny sorry i i didn't really know how to recover, so I just put my head down and made the little turtle and gave it to them and that, and that was it. but I remember you know that that is that's that's our mouth, right sometimes you say things that you don't mean to say or that you don't that you don't fully you know realize is going to be a big deal sometimes you know you say something and you completely regret it. Have you ever been in a situation like that, not necessarily exactly like that, but have you ever have you ever seen said something that you later on regretted saying. Maybe it was a funny thing or it's like, oh, it was embarrassing, but maybe it was even more than that. Maybe, maybe you said something in frustration or you said something in anger and, and then it hurt someone that you cared about. And, and now you look back and, and you look at that situation and or maybe it happened this week. Maybe you yelled at your spouse this week or, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or even your kids or your, you said something at work or you yelled at someone on the phone if you're in customer service, whatever. I mean, there are so many times where we say something out of an emotion that we feel and then we regret it later. You know, there's so many ways that our mouth can get us into trouble, you know, um, You lose control of yourself when you become very emotional. Things like word vomit. You ever heard of the word word vomit, that phrase? I mean, it's just sort of like this, you get caught up in the moment and you completely say something that is either poisonous or can derail your efforts or can be hurtful or can be embarrassing or any of those types of situations. Gossip is another example of that where where you just can't help but talk about other people. I mean, it can be in a range of things. For some of us, it's, it's as simple as, you know, as soon as I'm done having a conversation with an individual here, I walk over to this individual and then recap it with that person about them and giving my commentary or judgment about it. For some, it's as easy as looking at the news or as celebrities on television. You know, and, and and talking about them as though they were not human beings and oh did you hear about so and so? I watched on e News or Entertainment tonight and I saw that, that they do this. Did you know who Angelina Jolie's married to now, or do you know where she got her ninth what country she got her ninth kid from? Or whatever it might be. I mean it's so easy for us to just talk about other people. Gossip is another way, another place that we, we use that. Have you ever noticed though, how our words can impact people? They can truly impact people. Relationships, I believe, can be made or can be broken off of the words that we choose. Words can be powerful. They can be life-giving, and they can also be, they can be damaging or destructive. And the Bible actually tells us that the mouth... Is an extremely powerful tool, and the first scripture we're going to look at today is in Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one. If you have your Bibles, pull them out, or your tablets. I'd like to see the warm glow of your iPhone or iPad on your chin. That would be great today, and uh, you can also follow along with us in the in the, your program. We have a notes page for you. But Proverbs eighteen twenty-one very clearly says, "Life and death are in the power of the tongue." Life and death. I mean, the God, God's word very clearly says that life and death, the keys to both of them are within our mouths. Our mouths are represented by our words. So when we're talking about our bodies, right? So when we say, you know, we want to worship God with our mind, with our mouth, with our hands and with our feet. When we say our mouth, what we really mean is that we are represented by our words. I mean, that's really what the mouth is used for, is to speak something, to sing something. The things that we say ultimately represent who we are. And there's plenty of Scripture that tells us where our words come from. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And they have the power to bring life or to cause destruction and pain. So some, some things that, that, that life can give, the life that words can give, comes from Proverbs 16, verse 24. It says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Have you ever found out that somebody in your life was frustrated or hurting or they were down and you went over them and you just encouraged them? Watch what happens to them. They just, like, the words, the kind words that you can give and offer to someone have the ability to lift an individual from a place that they were in. If you're having a bad day and you come home and your wife just says, hey, I love you, you're doing a great job. Like, that can almost erase what happened that day, you know? Kind words are like honey. It is sweet. It's as sweet to the soul and healthy for the body as we, it can give life you know, so if, if, if the power of life and death is in the tongue, the power of life means that it lifts, that it restores, it gives hope and life and love. But it also gives death, and this is interesting, it gives destruction. James, in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says this about the tongue, the death that it can bring. It says, likewise, the tongue is the small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. So it's saying you have this huge flame, That, you know, we see these wildfires all the time in California, right? And they're started by a small spark or something, you know, that that sort of just lights it, very small. And then it becomes this uncontrollable fire that destroys things. Well, verse 6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now that's a pretty that's like a that's the opposite end of the spectrum. We just read that the that words are beautiful and they're helpful. And the point is here is that our tongue, our mouth can can be just as destructive as it can be life-giving. I mean, examples of this are there are so many children who are raised in homes where they are just verbally beaten down by their parents. They're told that they're no good. They're told that they're going to be nothing but a statistic. They're told that that they can't do it. They're not good enough or they're stupid or they're dumb or they're ugly. And people, kids are raised and they grow up into be damaged, hurt individuals because of the words that have been said to them. Those same words, not just in their parents, but at school. Kids who grow up. You know, and they they grow up in their in their in their middle school and their high school years, and they're bullied by people because they look differently. Those words that we speak from our mouths can be damaging. I mean, how do you think it, how do you think that professional athletes or celebrities feel when they read things in their Twitter Twitter accounts or on their Facebook pages that are so vile? I mean, there's people who get horrible threats because they lost a football game, and The power of the mouth that we all have. And and it's easy for us to look at celebrities. It's easy to look at people who are not connected with and to look at them and go, well, that's part of their job. And yes, there is an element that there is, you're in the public limelight, so you're going to get, you know, kind of flack. But how sad is it that that our mouths have the power to destroy lives? And it said not just like to just set it, it says to set one's life on fire. There are times where you say something in your own life, When you're at work or when you're at home and you say something so hurtful that it causes a rift in your life, it could be in your family, it could be with your kids. How many times have have kids, you know, a son or a daughter stopped talking to their parents at some point because, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it anymore. They don't want to talk to me, they're not going to be nice, they're not going to support me, they're not going to love me, they're going to say mean things, forget it. I have my own family, I'm going to do my own thing. And they live an estranged life away from their family How many divorces take place because of words, vile words, that can set one's life and lifestyle on fire? So the problem that we have here is that our mouths are speaking both. James 3 goes on to say in verse 9 and 10, it says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, our mouth he's talking about. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God, is what we're talking about. Everyone on earth is made in the image of God. And sometimes we use our mouth to to say nice things and to praise God and to come to church on a Sunday. Praise you, God. You're wonderful. You're glorious. Your life inside of me has given me peace and hope. You've rescued me. And then you go home and then you're yelling expletives at your television or you're reading the news and then you're going, or maybe racist thoughts about people who are of a different color skin than you or, or whatever it is. Verse 10 it says, And so blessing and cursing coming pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. He says, This is not right. So the big idea for our day, the big idea of this entire message today is that we worship God by speaking life. So if if we know that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, we have the choice about what we say. And if we want to speak life and lift people up, and we want it to be healthy, we want relationships to be right, if we want to worship God because verse twelve, chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans tells us to give God our bodies, and this is the, really the true way that we worship him, if we're going to give him everything, then the way that we worship God with our mouth is by speaking life. It's by choosing life, choosing words that are going to lift and create and restore life. I mean, our words are lasting, and they make a difference in people's lives, good or bad. And they are really a true reflection of what's inside of our heart. If I'm lashing out at people, then I have malice and I have anger in my heart. If I am frustrated and I'm speaking word vomit on people, then there's something inside of my heart that that's coming from. But as we get closer to Jesus, as we begin to allow, like we said last week, his thoughts, his processes, his mind, his design, we align those things to him. We start thinking about what he wants. Remember what we said what we take in is what we worship. The things that we think about are what we will worship. So as I want to think about good things, I want to think about life, I want to think about encouragement, I want to think about help, I want to think about, about love and life and hope. As I think about those things, my heart begins to overflow with them, and I begin to speak them into other people. We worship God by speaking life. And there are three, three areas, three places that I felt like with our mouth that we should should worship God with. And the first one is, is the way we speak. The way that we speak, the words that we choose, we should worship God and bring life through the way that we speak. Ephesians 4, 29 says, don't use foul or abrasive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And so he draws a direct parallel. He first starts with foul and abusive language. Now, you can sit here and say, like, well, is Jared talking about cuss words? Is he talking about specific words? No, what we're talking about here is the end and the beginning. The beginning is foul and abusive, but the end, he says, encouragement, good and helpful. So what we're talking about here is not specific words. What we're talking about is if your mouth, if what comes out of your mouth is abusive to people, if it's discouraging to people, if it is damaging to people, if it is harmful, if it pushes people down, if it belittles them, if it makes them feel like they're like they're somehow less the image of God than you are, he's saying don't use those things. If you see a parent, you know, like yelling at their kid and hitting them up the side of the head, don't be like that. Set an example with your kids. Teach them that they're worth something. Teach them about value. Teach them about love. You know, if you see an individual on the street, the homeless individual being degraded, he said, lift them up. Use words of hope and life and love. Speak into people, even if you know they're living a life that is, that is reckless. You have a family member in your life right now who's, who's just living a life that is just ridiculous and they're on the road to hell because they're killing themselves. Like, you may have that, and your first thought is, is I just, I just, the only thing I can do is just tell them how frustrated I am with them. I understand how frustrating it can be, but give them words to lift them up. I promise you, you will never lead them to the right place with anger and frustration. The only way to hope and to life is through good, is through God's path, and He never belittles people. He never makes people feel like they are less of a person than they are. When we speak, we need to choose words that are honoring. Choose words that are uplifting, words that are encouraging, words that are restoring, and most importantly, our words. that When we speak, we need to point people to Jesus. I mean, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. The best person on this planet who is good, the most philanthropic individuals, cannot save people. The only thing that can save people is Jesus. So when we talk... Our words need to be pointing the way to Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to constantly be saying Jesus is the, is the way, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the way. But it does need to mean that my lifestyle is different enough to other people that they go, that person looks different. It reminds me of someone I've heard about once. And as they're starting to kind of figure it out throughout the life, throughout your conversations with them, then you will have the opportunity to say, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Our words the things that we speak, we need to encourage each other, we need to lift up our kids. Believe me, I know how frustrating it is. I have an eight-year-old at home, and, and you know sometimes he just knows how to get under my skin. And sometimes I make mistakes. you know we all do. I make mistakes, and I say things to, to my son that you know, out of frustration, you know where, I, where I'm at, if you're a parent you've been there or maybe you were a child, and your parents said something to you, but you know what, whenever I make those mistakes, my dad did the same thing he would realize it and he would come back and he'd say, I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry I, I got frustrated with you. I'm sorry that I said that. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have yelled at you or whatever it might be. And you know, as a kid who's grown up into an adult now, I look back at my family, my parents. I don't so much remember the times that I was yelled at, even inappropriately. What I remember most is how he spoke life into me, even after the times that he was frustrated or difficult. So you can start today. If you have a problem with talking to people, you get frustrated, you can just start today by trying to make those choices, to choose the words carefully out of your mouth. So our mouths should worship God when we speak, right? They should point the way to Jesus. But also when we sing, when we sing at church, when we sing in our car, when we're walking down the street, whatever the song is in our hearts. And let me, I may even stretch it beyond beyond like actual songs what is the song of your life the thing that you speak let's say let's just let's just say like follow me here in this image that I'm trying to trying to paint there are songs that are written that you hear on the radio but then there are the songs that are of your life the things that you write every day in your actions the things that you write in your speech the things that flow from your heart at the end of the day you wrote an entire song what was your song of the day what did you write what was the content of it your song When we sing to God, the thing that is deep within us wells out, and we know that because Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of that person's heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So what we're talking about here in worship, in our singing, when we want to worship God with our mouth through our singing, through our song, is what is it that's in our heart? You know, when you're in love, you can't help but think about how in love you are and how, how just full of that you are. And You write poems and you write letters and you write emails. And if you're a musician, you write songs and you share them. I'm thinking of Coldplay, for example. My, one of my favorite bands, Coldplay, he broke up with his wife. They got divorced, and their new album is this, this sad, sad album called Ghost Stories. And it's a great album, really good music, but it's so sad. Written from his heartbreak in our lives, the things that we sing, whether it be worship at church Whether it be the songs on our radio, the things that we select to put on our iPods when we're listening, when we're humming down the street, when we're meeting people, our actions in life taking it beyond the actual song into our life's song. You know, the the words that we choose when we speak to people writes this melody line. And it all comes from what's deep inside. And if you have frustration, if you have anger, if you have sin, if you've got these things that are just corroding at your insides, You are not going to be able to sing a very happy, a very worshipful, a very life-giving song. If you find yourself to be a frustrated and miserable individual, and this is not me like accusing you, but you look at yourself and you take a deep inventory of yourself, an honest inventory of yourself. If you look at yourself right now and you say, you know what? More often than not, I'm kind of pessimistic. I'm kind of frustrated and it comes out in me. I find myself yelling at people more. I find myself looking negatively at everything. There's a good chance that inside of you, there are things that you have not dealt with that are poisoning the streams of your heart, of your heart. And that needs to be dealt with. It needs to be addressed. You need to allow the refreshing waters of Jesus Christ to heal you and to overflow inside of you. He wants to rush in and clean it out. It's like if you had a dirty bowl, you wash it at home, you pour the water and the soap in, and it comes in and it cleans it out and it overflows. And our life with Jesus is supposed to be like the faucet that runs into our bowl that just continually runs. So it never gets stale. It never gets moldy. But if you are never spending time with Jesus, if you're never worshiping him and experiencing him in the presence of God, And your water inside of your heart, in the bowl of your heart, it becomes stale. It's going to become tepid. It's going to just get that kind of grossness to it. And then you're going to find yourself spewing that because the Bible tells us what's in our heart is what we give out. So the song that we sing starts within our hearts. And when we come to church on Sunday mornings, we need that refreshingness from Jesus. That's why we sing worship songs. That's why we declare who Jesus is. He's great. He's powerful. He's the great I am. And we declare things like that under his name, the demons have to flee. We have authority in Jesus' name. I believe this. That's why I talk about it all the time. But you cannot expect to have power in your life. You cannot expect to have relationships be restored in your heart and in your life and in your families with your friends if you do not have anything changing on the inside. You have got to have a refreshing stream of Jesus Christ's love and his power in your life. And then when you come to church, you come expecting You come expecting to hear from God. You come expecting to worship and sing to him because he deserves it. And something powerful takes place on Sunday mornings. We're in your bedroom, or in the car, when you shut off whatever it is that's frustrating you, and you fix your eyes to Jesus, and you look at him, and you say, I'm going to worship you despite my car problems, despite my marital problems, I'm going to sing to you because of how great you are, because of how good you are. When you make the choice to think like he does and to worship him because of how great he is, something powerful happens, something miraculous happens. His spirit comes and he promises that he comes, and he refreshes us, and he gives us something we. meets with us in a very real way. So I encourage you, I challenge you when you come to church on Sunday mornings, come expecting to meet with God. We called this church Encounter Church because we wanted that very thing to happen. We wanted you to have an encounter with the living God. I believe he is alive. I believe that he intersects with our lives. And when you come to church, come ready to meet him, to hear from him through the word being preached, to meet him in worship. And sometimes you'll come in on a Sunday morning and you're going to say, I just am just broke down. I feel like I don't have anything in me to sing any songs. Let me promise you. Let me tell you now. Let me encourage you. Do it. Do it anyway. Sing worship to him. Look at the lyrics on the screen. Open your mouth. Even if you have a horrible melody line, even if you can't sing on key, or your pitch is off, sing. Sing with your heart and watch what God begins to do in your heart. You cannot worship God with your heart and be left where you are. He promises to lift us up. Worship him. The last thing I'll say about this song piece is that there's a posture to it. You you guys know, like, if you're slumped down in your chairs at school, you tend to fall asleep and your head ends up on the desk, right? This is what happens. If you're laying on the couch, it happens all the time to my wife. And we're watching movies and she slumps down on the couch and she, she ends up falling asleep. This is what happens, our posture, right? I want to encourage you to think of a posture when you come to church, and a posture in worship. And this is not your pastor sitting here looking at you going, oh, I see everybody right now slumping in. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is is that this goes along with the expectation we're talking about, okay? You come to church and have a posture of worship, whatever that looks for you. Some people have their hands raised in the sky because it's a a sign of surrender. You don't have to raise your hands. But if your heart isn't raising its hands internally, there's a problem. Your posture needs to be right. You need to p- po- position yourself to come and meet God. And that might just be your attitudes. It might just be, I'm not, you hear what I'm saying to you? Some, for some of you, God has been challenging you to take your worship to another level and to involve your body. And for some of you, it's just a matter of him saying, where is your heart? I hear your mouth moving, but I don't hear anything coming from the, from the place in your heart. And he wants you to worship him with your mouth, with your heart, with your song. And the last place, the, second, the, the, the final place that we should be worshiping God with is in our prayer life. Psalm 19, 14 says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. This was a man named David who was just being honest with God. He said, I don't feel like I'm in this place right now, but may... The words of my mouth. May the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Our prayers should be in alignment with God, with God's heart. If most of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, and what does it say? It says, Your will be done. Your will be done. And so when we pray, I think a lot of the times we get frustrated with praying. We go, man, I, I have prayed, and God's not really answered my prayers. But the problem is, is that oftentimes I think we're praying like we have a list, like we're giving it to Santa Claus. You know, like here are the things that I want. I'm really busy. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to take the time, as if somehow like the very fact that I'm coming to God in prayer is, is good enough. I mean, the concept of prayer really isn't supposed to be to get and receive or to give and receive. The the whole point of prayer is to commune with the living God, to have that opportunity for the refreshing waters to flow through you, to get answers that you are crying out for, to receive the healing that you need, maybe even to get direction. But it all starts with when Jesus' disciples said, Master, will you teach us to pray? He gave us a very simple prayer. He said, Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, whatever you want to see happen in my life is what I want. So when we pray with our mouths, when we open our mouths, I promise you guys, if you start singing to God, if you start speaking to God, if you start praying to God according to what he wants in your life versus what you want in your life, all of a sudden you're going to see amazing stuff happening in your heart. You're going to begin to see things turn around in your life. You're going to have hope. You're going to have joy. You're going to have a pep in your step that you've never had before. Why? Because now you're falling underneath the spotlight of God's favor. Why is that? Because you're praying for what he wants in your life, not what you want. More often than not, what I want is not what's right for me. I might feel like it's helpful. It might be pleasing. It might make me feel pleasurable or comforted. But in reality, God gives us a lot of those things anyway, but puts us in the right spot. I could be literally in this spot and not be under God's blessing, but be in this spot and be completely full of it and completely like overwhelmed with what God's doing in my life. And someone might look at me and say, what the heck is the difference? You were just an inch apart. And I'd say, you know what? The difference is, is that for whatever reason, when I say, God, what is it you want from my life? And I will go there. I will do it. Whatever it is, he says, well, I just want you to move two inches to the right. And for some reason, that path may have just a little bit of an angle differently and the trajectory of it is going to lead me all the way over there, whereas if I went on my own, I'd end up over here. And this space over here could be just some destructive place, but over here, it's a land of blessing. It's all about aligning our thoughts, aligning our hearts, aligning our words, our prayers to the will of God. What is it you want? And remember what we talked about last week, that word will, another word for it is design. A lot of times we think God's will, why does he always get his way? Well, like, I've been teaching my dog. You know, we, we just got a puppy. He's adorable. His name's Gizmo, in case you wanted to know. We just got a dog, and we've been trying to teach him what's right, how to act and behave at home. How silly is it for anyone to think that, oh, well, that dog knows what's best for him. I mean, you know, so when the dog is peeing all over the house and when the dog, you know, is grabbing socks and running with them and taking them underneath the couch and, you know, when the dog is barking at people or he's nipping at people, you know, like, well, I mean, I'm just doing what I need to do. This is my life, right? I'm the master of the home and I'm teaching him. Why? Because I, I can tell you as a pet owner who has failed as a pet owner at one time, that if you just kind of allow the dog to do whatever he wants, in the end, he becomes destructive to himself and to other people. And that's what ended up happening to us with another dog that we had. And so this time around, we're giving some pretty clear order and some some behavioral training and some things like that. And that's exactly the same concept with God, is that he designed our life. He knows exactly what we should be doing and how we should be doing it. And so it's all about allowing him to teach us, because in the end, our puppy is going to be one happy guy. He gets to cuddle with his dad all the time. He gets to eat really good food. He gets toys bought for him all the time. He gets to go on walks around, you know, around all over the place, and, and, and people get to look at him, and they do, and every time we're out, gizmo, you know, he's walking around, and people go, oh my God, it's the cutest dog in the world. Like, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a good life to be a puppy that's trained well, because he doesn't have to worry about anything, and it's the same thing in our lives. God wants us to just realize that he knows best, his design is best, and so when we pray, Let's start praying, God, what is it you want in my life? And I know that you will, you will take care of me. I know that you will provide for me. So the three areas that we should be worshiping God in our life is in our way we speak, the way that we sing, and the way that we pray. So my challenge to you today is this, is allow God to control your mouth. Allow God to control your mouth. Psalm 141, verse 3, has a great prayer. It says this, Take control of what I say, O Lord and guard my lips. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Would you make that your prayer today? Let's think before we speak. Here's a good question for you. We're gonna ask this question. Will this, this thing that I'm about to say, reflect worship to God? So we're talking about worship, right? Will whatever I'm about to say in my frustrated moment, in my excited moment, is it going to reflect worship to God? On. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.